Shut up and sit down. everyone um me and my microphone aren't getting along so if you guys could tell me if you could hear me okay that would be great anyways uh, i'll be looking at a new microphone soon um tonight we're going to talk about um writing series and stuff uh so um Moray971 asked a whole bunch of questions, and I put them all there, and we're going to go through it, and I have Lady Holder on the phone with me this evening, and um, since the questions revolve specifically around a series at Cobblestone Press, I reached out to the publisher, and I asked some questions, um, and got the lowdown on that, and um, so... um, I'm not representing them this evening, so I, you know, don't take me as the gospel here. This is just how I understood it to be, and if I make a mistake on that front, my bad. Everybody be cool, okay? <laughs> okay, um, let's put let's put Lady Holder on the phone. Hello. 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 There's our loud typer. Did you hear her? She was already clicking away. <laughs> Dude, I have fake nails. I click with my I type with my nails. Screw you know. Eh, whatever. <laughs> Was she about to say screw me? Did you almost say screw you? Not in front of the children. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's just the end of the surreal weekend. Woo! <laughs> I just got really tickled. But you know how people get. I think we're fighting and then I get a whole bunch of emails. Don't do that to me. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> when we fight, it's lots of silences. Don't worry about it. It's not a sniping. It's more like... Sniping means we're fine. <laughs> God. But, um... Oh, yesterday I announced the um, July challenge, and I know some of you were Mm -hmm. already prepping for a little black dress, um, but I'm kind of bored with it, and um, I wanted to kind of stay with the theme of um, it being kind of a boot camp situation, because that was the original July challenge was a boot camp, Mm -hmm. and um, we did the Stargate boot camp, and um, basically... What I wanted to do was um, keep honoring our short story format, and so it occurred to me that having an episode challenge would be really fun, and we bounced around a couple ideas, and the Battle of the Five Fandoms was born. If you're curious to know why I'm punning off The Hobbit, but The Hobbit isn't included in the Five Fandoms, if you'll notice... It came close. For this first... Yeah, it it did come close, but what I decided was that in order to get you into the frame of frame of where that had where did that go frame of mind to write episodes, 
that we would pick only TV shows so that you would already have a structure in place to help you create your episodes. So um, mm-hmm. that's why, why we picked five TV fandoms. If we do it again next year, we might pick five movie fandoms, which will be a little more challenging. And I will admit, even for me, I think it would be a little bit more challenging to write. Because um, even my Harry Potter series, uh, Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, which I write in episode format, sometimes those episodes mm-hmm. are 20K. <laughs> It all depends on your definition of episode, I guess. Well, I think mm. that actually really it's important that when you look at a TV episode, you're looking at 45 mm-hmm. minutes to an hour of action, and right. that's not 20K, you know. Um, no, that's that's more like a, a um, two or three series uh, episode arc. I actually have. What about Babylon 5 sh- episode? Yeah, but, yeah, but even those were um, short. It was the season that was developed over a over a long arc. Um, so we're going to do As TV I remember, series right, first time around. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he did. It was one guy, um, mm-hmm. Michael Straczynski, mm-hmm. the creator of Babylon Five, um, and he has five arcs. There is an arc for mm-hmm. the series season, and then there is mm-hmm. an arc for the entire series. There's six arcs. Overall, in Babylon Five, not just one, um, because each season is like a book. Hmm. I mean, it it unfolds beautifully from a craft perspective. I mean, it is absolutely stunning. Um, it's, so. it's one of those things that when I learned that that everything was already um, set, he managed to actually ram through and get his five. Um, his five seasons already pre-done, already pre-worked out. You know, from beginning to end, there was a plan there. And that, when I heard about it, was pretty mind-blowing. So it was pretty cool to, to hear. I Just for, um, I don't know why I have this, but I actually have a script for the movie Speed. I don't know why. How did you um, manage that? And it's 124 pages for a full movie. I don't have the word count on how how big the script is. But I would say probably mm-hmm. this script for an entire movie is less than 5,000 words. You mean actual, you know... Um you know, them uh, speaking or the whole descriptive arc of the whole thing? Yeah, but there isn't a whole lot of description because most of that is left up to the set designer and the um, all that. So a lot, the, the script is basically just they're in the lobby, here's the dialogue. They're in the elevator, here's the dialogue. I mean, it is really kind of fucking noisy. Oh. <laughs> or on your yeah, end I'm of the sorry, line. I have la- yeah, I have laundry going. I'm sorry. It's one of those things that I kind of need to have it so I can work tomorrow. Let me check. She can't be going to work naked. No, actually, they frown on that rather severely. Sorry about the noise, ladies. It's normally quiet. That was my noise. I dropped my fork. <laughs> um, okay, anyway. Um, I just so hit pause let's on, the, get on the washing machine. It's not going to hurt it. <laughs> 
let's let's get started on the questions. Um, the first wet question um, is: Can a new author come up with an idea and present it to the publisher for these types of books, or is it more common for the publisher to approach a writer that's already established with that publishing company? Well, I ask, and it is individual to practically every publishing company. Um, I have worked across my career with. 15, 20 different publishing houses. And I did participate in a series once where um, we all had a specific role to play in the series as writers. And there were about 20 of us. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a defined... Uh, we had to have this element and this element and this element and this element in it. And um, the story had to be this... 25,000 words or whatever it was. It was a long time ago. Um, And uh, you didn't have a lot of wiggle room. And I was invited to participate in that. Um, I was invited to participate in an anthology with a print company um, that I had a lot of freedom, but I had to do – there were like three or four elements that had to be in it because it was part of the anthology theme. Now, as it comes to the Pleasure Club series, which Moray is specifically interested in at Cobblestone Press, mm-hmm. I talked to the publisher, and that particular series was pitched by the author, Annalie Keaton, and she is the house master, so to speak, for the Pleasure Club, um, and it is invitation only. The only way you get into the Pleasure Club is if you get invited. Uh, and I have been invited. Um, I don't know if I'm going to actually participate, but I do have the world-building rules, and there are rules. And one of the reasons why there's usually a, a series master or, um, or or a series czar, so to speak, depending on the publishing house you're working with, is that somebody has to own the world-building and keep everybody on the same page. Now, apparently when it comes to the Pleasure Club, there are two submission processes. First, you have to get past Annalie Keaton. Mm-hmm. And then you have to get past the publisher. So if you wanted to write for the Pleasure Club, you would reach out to Annalie Keaton and express your interest. And if she was satisfied with your writing, she might give you an opportunity to write. And she would tell you the available scenarios that are currently available um, in the series and how that works, and she would share her world-building document with you. And then you would write that, and then you would submit it to her. And if she said yes, you would have the right to submit it to the publisher for inclusion into the series. But if she says no, then the publisher won't even consider it. Hmm. And it, well, so it greatly depends. Now, in other publishing houses. Now, this this series in particular, mm-hmm. I think it's set up that way because it was Annalie Keaton's idea um, and okay. it's actually presented as her series. So it would be kind of like you wanting to write Ties That Bind um, in my world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and I can get that. So the publisher isn't going to let you do that in her world unless you meet Annalie Keaton's standard first, so to speak. Okay. And I don't blame her for that. I'd be the same way. Um I don't want anybody claiming they've written in my world without my permission. <laughs> yeah, I'm very that selfish. Go over badly. <laughs> um, 
Um, let's see. So the second question is, do publishers give out guidelines on how these books are supposed to be written and how they work? Absolutely. There will be um, – the Pleasure Club has, a, has like I think the world-building documents, like 15 pages. <laughs> and oh, they man. all have to have the same kind of opening, and they all have to – they're all named a certain way. If you'll notice, if you go over there, and there is a link on the um, in the group, in the um, – podcast there's a link to them it's like the cop the mercenary mm-hmm. they're all written a certain way they're all titled a certain way um and it's a series of sexual fantasies and uh so i've read a bunch of them i really enjoy them mostly i bought the gay ones to be perfectly honest uh but there are <laughs> guidelines that you have to follow that are both the um authors and the publishers because um every publisher has a house style that you have to adhere to and Lady Holder can attest to the fact that yes. the um style got at um Cobblestone is quite large. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was starting to open um, up. I was like, Well holy <clears throat> shit. That's quite large. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go look at it. I I'm actually kinda of um Go ahead. I haven't looked at well, I, I opened up my email just to, to double check. No, I have not gotten an invitation. <laughs> and I kinda doubt I will. I don't think I quite work in that um Well genre. they are short stories. I mean but you know, I think that you absolutely could work in that. I mean, you know, don't limit yourself. <laughs> okay, how about I'm not quite thinking I can do it now. Talk to me in a year. Oh yeah. Ah, that's true. That's true. Or at least until after July when I do the episodes to see if I can do this. Because hey, everything's straightened. I'm trying to find that um, craziness I got sent. Um, ooh, cat. There it is. Yeah, it's a PDF. It the style guide for cobblestone is 54 pages. <laughs> oh man. I was like, well, hello. Now, I have actually seen bigger ones. Um, uh, the style bigger? guide for, uh, oh, yeah, the, um, the style guide. Actually, the funniest thing I ever got was I asked a, um editor in New York. Um, she had a style guide she wanted me to follow. And she said, yes, um, please go to the nearest Barnes & Noble and pick up um, the Chicago Style Manual. <laughs> Holy Anna. <laughs> Really? Oh yeah, she was dead serious too. Wow. Okay. I said, well, I don't have to because I already actually own it. Um. Uh. But yeah. Wow. Kidoki. Um. But uh. <laughs> then there were. Uh, I actually did get a style sheet that uh, when I got my proof for that particular book and um anytime the um editor made a change in my manuscript they would put a page number they would write a page number on my manuscript and at first I wasn't quite getting it then I realized they were actually writing down the page numbers for the Chicago style manual <laughs> to point out where I had fucked up just to let me know what they were using you know, to correct my fuck-ups. Wow. And so it was pretty funny. It, it was pretty funny. Um, that's but, um, that's and then I've also encountered publishing houses where the style guide was four pages, and I'm like, really? I would rather get a 54-page document than a four-page document because I'm thinking to myself, what kind of crap are you putting out? 
that's just me. That's just me. How being big a little... was the type? It was normal, twelve. Well, no, it's normal. Um. And then I've, I've, I've also encountered publishing companies that don't share their style guide with authors. You just have to – you get your edits and you get what Wing you it. get, and you don't get to know what kind of guide they're working um, from, which is, which is super annoying. Um, that makes no goddamn sense. I, N- Natasha asked, so generally the more rules there are to – the better the publishing company, it greatly depends. One of the most profoundly stupid things I ever heard was about a an erotic publishing company that is going out of business. Um, I'm going to say it. Alora's Cave um, actually had a rule where you had to use the cock, the word cock. You're welcome, dudes. You had to use the word cock at least like 10 times per 5K. So if your book was 50,000 words, you had to use the word cock 50 times. Cock a lot. And they counted. And, uh, you know, that's just horrific. And they had other crazy ass too, that I'm not, you know, that I don't actually remember. Um, but you know, uh, maybe they, the 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 owner got stuck under in a um, sea of purple prose at one point. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to go there because um, she's litigious. <laughs> uh, okay, let's pass. <laughs> Anyways, there you know sometimes you'll see that in the publishing house, and you'll be thinking, "Are you fucking serious? I have to do what?" No, you had to specifically use the word cock. It had to be cock. It couldn't be dick, prick, penis. It had to be cock. I never wrote for them. I was invited to oh, multiple my times. God. Um to the point where even my agent was contacted and I'm like, No, I'm just I'm not interested in that, no. Um there was a lot of good money yeah. there at one time, but um there were other factors that I that I really didn't appreciate. Um because at, at my core, I'm a romance writer, and um, that really wasn't what they were interested in publishing. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it like I said, like it. the owner is litigious, so we're going to move on. <laughs> okay, so um, question two then. Uh, do the publishers give out guidelines on how? Okay, we already did that one. Um, is the writing process for this type of series different than, say, a normal submission to a publisher? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, because you have to have all the world building that's um, been attached to the series, and in particular, in the case of the Pleasure Club, you have to work with the creator of the series, Emily Keaton, in order to meet her standard before you can submit to the publisher. So you know, and it just really depends. Like there used to be this series at Liquid Silver Books where they posted, they had a whole big collection of. Um, uh, world-building documents, and you could uh, download them all and then write for the series and then submit. And it was like you were basically writing in a werewolf world, I think. Uh, I don't really remember. I mean, I, I looked at it, but I didn't actually do it, and I'm not sure if they still do it or if they stopped doing it. Um, and uh, so it became like um, you would sign up and – you would write in this particular world per the world-building rules that that the publisher had set. 
Um, <clears throat> so, uh, that's what that oh. is. Um, have you ever written for a collection like this? If so, what, what was your experience like? I think you've already answered that one somewhat. Kind, kind of, of. Around the edges? Kind of. Um, it was, uh, uh, like I said, I've, I've written in a variety of situations where I had to meet somebody else's world building. And mm-hmm. it can be stressful. Um, but I think that, and this is really interesting, it's, it's something that I think that um, – I'd be much more comfortable doing it today than I would be, say, 10 years ago when I was kind of out of fan fiction. So I really wasn't um, comfortable writing in somebody else's canon. But I think that fan Mm -hmm. fiction writers are uniquely suited to writing in this kind of situation because you're already exploring somebody else's canon and somebody else's world. And you have um, the ability – most fan fiction writers have the ability to – to mimic um, mm-hmm. a style and to really meet that standard that uh, – because basically if uh, you're writing in a series that somebody else started, you are in a way kind of writing um, fan fiction. Right. As Natasha said. Uh, and I think that fan fiction writers are actually uniquely suited to that. So um, I'd be much more comfortable doing it today than I have been in the past. It was. Um, it's really interesting how much you know. I <laughs> how much I've learned since since uh, um, doing this. Um, fan, fan fiction uh, definitely was a, a far more of a training room than I thought it would be for writing um, in real life, if you will. Let's see. Um, Stupid fork. Have you ever heard <clears throat> a writer using these collections as the way to get their foot in the door, so to speak? Um. I have to say, probably not this particular one. Um, what I'm thinking about is back in the 70s and 70s, 80s, and 90s, and potentially still today. Um, people who used to write for Star Trek, they had a formula. They had a set of uh, rules they had to live by when they wrote for it, and a lot of it started out um, fan fiction. You know, a lot of the the authors. At least the initial ones were, as I understand it, fan fiction authors who got lucky and managed oh, to get come on. A- of Abrams is a fan fiction writer. Don't don't tell me otherwise. <laughs> who? Abrams. He's totally a fan fiction writer. Oh, yeah, JJ. He's he's definitely no. I'm I'm not thinking about JJ. He, he and his lovely, very pretty universe are all on their own, and that's fine. No, I'm more talking about the people who did those first. Maybe tw- um, 20, 25 Star Trek books. You know, Unfortunately, the when it comes to Star Trek, um, they didn't have enough rules. And that's why the mm-hmm. books aren't considered canon, because they they conflict with each other. Because there was no series. Oh, they wander all over the place. Yeah, yeah, Amanda Grayson died 10 different ways in the books. At depending least. on the author. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how many wars between the, the Klingons and, <laughs> and the Federation, and yeah. Sometimes publishers will put out a series idea to um, attract new writers. Um, 
it seems like there was a publisher about five or six years ago that did a series called The Seven Deadly Sins. It might have been um, Changeling. I don't remember. Don't hold me to that. Uh, and um, it was a way of, uh, like, each sin got three or four different writers, and they would do individual ebooks, and then they did print anthologies. I think it probably wasn't Changeling because I don't think Changeling did print. But either way, it was done that way, and a lot of new writers got involved um, in that because of the series. So sometimes if a publisher wants to pick up some new talent, they'll put out a a series like that. Um, who did the tarot cards? Uh, Lucid, maybe. Good question. Don't know. Maybe that was Changeling. Anyway, they'll they'll put out a um, a series idea and kind of uh, entice new writers to participate in it. Um, so, but that's that isn't as common now as it used to be. So I don't I don't really know. Um, I don't know why. Um, I, I haven't seen any submission calls like that in a very long time. Um, it just might not have worked out financially. I mean, I I, I really really don't know. Um, but I, if I could give you a piece of advice, writer to writer, um, when you get your foot in the door with a publisher, you want to be standing on your own foundation, not somebody else's. That's just me. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it. important that you, um, that you get in the door. On your own merit, on your own idea. I mean, it it'll feel better. I think you'll be more proud of the accomplishment. It's just me. <clears throat> All right. And last one is, is there anything else you would like to share about works being written for a collection like the Pleasure Club. Check your ego at the door. Oh, yeah. If you're going to write in somebody else's series, you don't get to tell them they're doing something wrong. If you want to write in that series, you have to adhere to their rules. You have to adhere to their world building, especially with a series like Pleasure Club that already has, like, what, 15, 20 books? (laughs) Come on now. Probably, yeah. You can't just go in and arrogantly decide you don't want to follow the rules. So you need to check your ego at the door. This is somebody else's and that's universe. True you're you're being series. invited to play in it. Yeah. You know, it's um, when you're invited to play in somebody's universe, you, you, have to, you have to realize it's their universe. And they can always say, you know, no. Oh, honey, I can't say your name. How do you say your name? How do you say that? I'm going to call you Ed. Eddie. I'm going to call you Eddie. That's less (laughs) masculine. That's less masculine, right? Eddie. I'm going to call you Eddie. So, where do you... Edie? Edie? That's that's less masculine, isn't it? Edie? Let's go with Edie. So, where do you draw the line between being inspired by and someone playing in one of your worlds or with one of your characters? Um, For me, personally... I think my permissions are pretty liberal. Um, the line for me would be if you went from saying 
this is inspired by Ties That Bind, and this is set in Kira's world, Ties That Bind. <laughs> as long as you don't claim to be part of my work, part of my canon, um, for me that means inspired by, and just knock yourself out. I, I don't care. But speaking of people taking my work, some asshole posted two episodes of Sentinels of Atlantis on AO3 last night. What? It's already down. It's already down. But oh my just, God. For the, just for the record, the only fiction I have on AO3 is the Russian translation of Tangled Destinies. And that is with permission. If you see anything else that has my name on it outside of art or Tangled Destinies, it is not there by my permission. And please let AO3 know to take that shit down. And please let me know as well. Um, it disappeared very quickly, uh, but um, it was just startling. I, you know, and this is going to sound real. This is going to sound terrible and arrogant, but I am not unknown. Why on earth would you pick me to plagiarize? <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's really it was stupid. Uh, it was literally up on AO3 five minutes before I got a report. Because AO3... Uh, wow. Because someone got me on email, right? But before I could actually even respond to the email, I got one. So I saw the email, but I didn't open it. And I went over to, and I was over on Facebook, and someone messaged me. Um, oh. No, it wasn't under my name. It was under their name. Um they posted the gathering in the chair. So I go over to the um, my email, and someone told, told me when it was posted, who posted it. Here's a link. I've already filed a report with AO3. <laughs> and it had been up five minutes when I got wow. the email, apparently. So what I'm asking is, who the hell decided it would be a good idea? I know who, who it was specifically. Why would you plagiarize a... <sighs> I'm sorry. Why would you plagiarize? You're you're gonna hate this. You're yeah. You're one of the biggest names. I'm sorry. Why would you do that? I know you hate it. I think plagiarism is stupid anyway. But why in the hell would you pick me? I can't imagine how many yeah. complaints that that one story got in the ten minutes or fifteen minutes that it was actually up. I I don't know. I can't even imagine yeah. because it went down so quickly. I think it must have been quite a few. <laughs> oh. The person in question in the email has a RSS feed subscription to AO3 or something like that and had gotten a, a notification that there was a new Stargate fic. And they go over to read oh. it and it's mine. Oh. Yeah. I was really I was really stunned. Um but I don't mind people writing um works inspired by mine. I really really don't. Um I do mind if you try to claim you're in my canon, so to speak, because it creates confusion. And there was somebody who'd written a um, a little short story inspired by what might have been, mm-hmm. and the implication in their author notes was that it was 
part of the story? Uh. And it caused some confusion because I had posted a part just after their short story was published where I had contradictory events. And I actually got a message from the writer telling me that I had contradicted them and that I needed to fix my story. Uh, no. I, I asked her if she was out of her fucking mind. That's literally what I asked her. <laughs> and um, she said, but your permission says that we can, I said, you can write inspired by me, but you can't fucking write in my story, claim it, and then tell me I have to follow your goddamn canon. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> it got deleted. It doesn't exist anymore. It was on Live Journal. Um, but uh-huh. yeah, so and I was like, no. You know, technically, I suppose I could say Sentinels of Atlantis was inspired by because. Yeah. Yeah, you know. But you, you know what, though? A, I would say you idea. inspired me more than your work. You inspired it because cool. there you. was something about the idea of John being a sentinel that I hadn't seen that. And I was like, oh, shit, look what she did. <laughs> so it was more her <laughs> than it was her story, but it was her story as well. It's, 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 her, it's my favorite story of hers. Um and I've always admitted that it that it's inspired by it because it was, but mostly I would say really in in the true s- sense of inspiration that Lady Holder inspired Sentinels of Atlantis. Um, for all that that is, I hope yeah, mm-hmm. I hope you're okay with that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm cool with it. I I I get the warm fuzzies by it every once in a while. It's it's one of those where you know I I'm reading along and it's like, ah, and it's just flip the page <laughs> so but yeah you know um there there is a line between inspiration like i didn't take her plot i didn't take her no. meeting um but in fact it was very important to me that i started in a different way altogether which is why john mm-hmm. and rodney didn't meet in antarctica because that's where her sentinel and guide met right. and i didn't want to give anybody the impression that i was trying to um to to take her idea but more importantly um yeah but but more importantly i think that um uh i have seen people take my ideas and write them and i think to myself did you not think i did a good job are you trying to do a better job than me Does mine suck? And I did, I never want another author to feel that way. Since since I've had it happen to me, I'm very careful about when something inspires me to to turn it completely so I get a different look, um, a different moment, which is also why Ties That Bind is so drastically different from Zance. Because, yes, it is inspired uh-huh. by her work, but I went out of my way to shift completely away from her work so that I wouldn't ever give her the impression that I found something about her work unsatisfying, so I had to write my own, because it couldn't be further from the truth. 
No, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, because I've read both your work and her work. Um, of the two, I think, frankly, yours is more detailed. And there's, there's that more. probably comes from the fact that I've actually lived in the lifestyle and she hasn't. Isn't probably, that what she said? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put words in her mouth. I don't know. Um, but I thought that um, Zant had said that she didn't participate. Am I wrong? I'm probably wrong. Maybe I that was know. somebody else. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. Julie says it's the reverse, that she does have some experience. Okay. Oh, my God. I just actually fucking confused Zant and E.L. James. Please don't tell her. Eee. If you're listening... If you're listening, Uh, Zan, I'm so sorry. I did not mean for that to happen. I'm on medication. (laughs) I really am sorry. sorry. You're you're 10,000 times the writer she'll ever be. Oh, if she lives for 10,000 years, you're you're you're, that was not intentional. Please, please don't Mm -hmm. send me nasty emails. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is that I go out of my way to um. To when I am inspired by somebody to not approach it from the same angle um, as the writer who inspired me, to so that they don't feel like I'm rehashing their work because I wasn't satisfied with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. In with okay, let um. I hate remixes. When I start. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I not going to do a remix if I can help it. Um, mm. One of the things... My eyes. Yeah. One of the things that, <laughs> that I found is um, when it comes to where I get ideas, sometimes it's as simple as I'm, I'm reading something and instead of you know, turning where I would go, which is, you know, let's say I, I want to turn left, the author turns right, and the story goes on its way, and I'm still enjoying myself, but I've made a mental note that this situation is kind of interesting. Can I look at that later? Yeah, you right. And that's, and, and that's the fun yeah. part yeah, about being around a whole bunch of writers, you know, and being inspired by them. Who was it? Um, somebody actually commented... Or maybe it was me. I don't know. I'd have to go look through the notes. Um, we rarely have Tony Genozo as a as a sentinel. We always have him as a guide. And I was thinking, yeah, hey, kind of interesting as a sentinel. Yeah. And I was but trying to figure Julie out how had to do it. One where he was a guide. I mean, a yeah. sentinel. Mm-hmm. No, he was a sentinel. Yeah, there was yeah. one. And that's the only one I know of out of all of us. So it was one of those really weird ones. Um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's its one of those where I was looking at it going, you know, this would be a really interesting thing to do, you know, and I don't know, I would probably ask if I could use um, the Ascendant idea that you've got, you know, just because it's a concept that is really cool, but... Well, of course, you had all my ideas. <laughs> Okay. All my ideas. Thank you. Me. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, Permission granted. There you go. Yes. It would be really yep. weird if I said no, you can't. When I just let Jilly use it. 
especially <laughs> since you helped me name it. Well, we had to find something that worked because, you know, Super Duper Sentinel person just wasn't quite cutting it. <laughs> Super sensitive, special snowflake. <laughs> I love the Ascendant, you know. I, I love it. I have yeah. – um, John is empathic in Sentinels of Atlantis, but he doesn't have – he's just called a prime. Um and I mm-hmm. wanted something a little different, which is what we, I was talking about it, and we were throwing out a whole bunch of names, and Lady Holder actually came up with the name Ascendant, and I was like, that's it, that's awesome, that works, it's great. The sources so, are great. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll be honest, I had a thesaurus open. Often, we were going through the list. Often do. Yeah. yeah so. Hey, but, you um, know, there's this lovely thing, um, who is it, um... Merriam-Webster has a website, and it's got a thesaurus. So, there we go. <laughs> I use thesaurus.com. I use thesaurus.com. It's, um, I actually have a shortcut on my browser for it because I use it so much. Yeah, no, same. that's what I've got. That's where, you know, mine is just, um, I like the Merriam-Webster for whatever reason, but that's that's my comfort level. Let's see. Hmm. But um, what I would also say about writing with a group, um, if you're writing your own individual story, uh, you really need somebody in your group who is the housemaster or housemistress, whatever, whatever how you want to do it. You need somebody to be in charge of the canon and of the world building mm-hmm. to make sure everyone is on the same page. When it comes to timeline, character relationships, abilities, how those abilities display, whatever they may be, um, you need a series czar. Because if you don't have one, um, the works within the series can end up being uh, mismatched and not actually work, not be cohesive as a unit. Um, which is why Especially I don't let anybody write ties to mind unless I'm a beta. Yeah. <laughs> Some people need a fucking dictionary. Just ask Harry. Mm. <laughs> I no. was actually reading Courting Hermione Granger today because I... I I really miss writing that story, so I'm considering writing a sequel. <laughs> Please, I hey, I'm okay. I've just done my bad, bad. Okay, <laughs> never mind. You know me. I know you. I also know I'm not supposed to be, you know, asking for stuff. That yeah, but you can arise. ask. You can ask. Okay. Nobody, nobody else can ask. Julie right. could ask. Azure could ask. Sonny could ask. Okay. Because you guys work your asses off for me, so you guys get some <laughs> leeway. My whole thing is, is it's it's a it's it's a sweet, lovely story that doesn't give me a toothache because it's not nauseating. You know, it's there's there's one of my friends in my uh, nice old- real life writing group read it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't only read my fan fiction, but um. She likes she likes Harry Potter, and so she was over on my site, and she saw okay. it, and she picked it up, and she read it. And she called me, and she's like, are you about to start writing a Regency romance? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> How dare you? Yes, that's what it is. Yes, yes, yes. 
said, there was no sex in this. And I'm like, I tried to write a sex scene. It was really inappropriate. I couldn't invade her privacy that way. And she was like, I totally get that. (laughs) But she was worried. She was worried. You know, I, 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 I'm trying to think of, of where I, I, what level of sweetness I would put that, and it's, wow. Um, yeah, well, I'm not sure how much you can because there is murder in it. <laughs> it has to be put into account. Some of those ones have murders too. You know, they just, they just have a very nice, sweet courtship between the two main characters, and that's really cool. I really love it. It's my favorite um, Harry Hermione story that I have. Um, I did try to write a sex Honestly, scene for it. I, it was just completely impossible. It, and normally, you know, I think I write pretty good sex. It's probably one of my better um, abilities. Mm-hmm. And honestly, honestly, um, it was the most awkward sex I've ever written. And I was like, this this is terrible. My cheeks were all pink and hot, and I'm like, I'm embarrassing myself. I can't do this. This is terrible. And I'm not sure what I was really embarrassed about. <laughs> How bad the sex huh. was being written, or actually writing the sex to begin with. It was just, it was terrible. <sighs> That's really weird. Um... <laughs> I can't. I couldn't. I can't see that. Um, <laughs> I'm with Azure. All right, that nice fade to black. There was a lot of things that happened back behind that black. Everybody had a good time, and then they had breakfast. That's all I need to know. <laughs> One of the things that kind of struck me about um, I was trying to have a hard time sleeping, and when I have a hard time sleeping, I think about my work. And a scene kind of pops into my head that, you know, Harry and Hermione have been married for about six months. And Sirius takes him aside and says, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, everything's great. He goes, are you sure? Because I've never seen you kiss your wife. Oh. And that's because he keeps all that intimacy private for her. And it just kind of popped full-blown in my head this this whole scene when I realized that that is exactly how they would conduct themselves in the future. There wouldn't be any um, passionate public displays of affection because that's just not who she is. That's just not the kind of person that um, she is. And he'd never want to make her uncomfortable like that, you know? And um, it just kind of, he's not going to grab her and smog. No, it's just, it's just not going to happen. He's, you know, um, so, but anyway, it just kind of was full blown in my head, you know, that that was that scene happened, and I thought, oh, oh I, think I need to write a sequel. I definitely need to write a sequel. Okay, I'll be on the lookout for stuff in my email. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I write so very little hat that um. There's not that level of I don't want to say privacy, but it's um well it is it's it's for that version of your Harry and Hermione, they're 
their intimacy is private. It's not for everybody to see. But so. the other side of it is I did, I did work really hard to include um, physical affection within the limitations mm-hmm. of, of the medallion that she was wearing. And um, I felt like it was done well. I, I felt like I accomplished what mm-hmm. I wanted to accomplish when I set out, to, when, I, when I plotted it. Um, but again, I just, I don't see them ever doing that. Well, I can you know? see, you know, the, the, um, did you see that, that, uh, the hand? Uh, it wasn't she a took like the hand. I'm not sure what you mean by that, Jeep. Go ahead. You know, take, taking the hand or rest, resting his hand potentially on the small of, of her back. There was a um, uh, little bit of video of where the um, first lady, soon to be first lady in that, at that point, and the VP, first VP's lady, um, all were, were being escorted down by military officers and President Obama held his wife's hand for a moment. Uh, Vice President Biden held his wife's hand for a moment. And that was a very subtle form of physical affection. Obama, he took her hand and he kissed it and then he released her. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Trump never held his wife's hand. Yes, I wasn't going to mention that. (laughs) There's a... Yeah, you know it's um... <laughs> that is pretty funny, Barbara. That that is pretty funny, um, but uh, yeah, we don't need to discuss that. I'm not allowed to discuss that. I'm not allowed to discuss the <laughs> Cheeto. Um, yes, the, let's pass on that. The, the Cheeto is E. L. James territory. I can't be trusted with either one of those subjects. I'm sorry, Zane. No, let's pass. <laughs> Keep on moving. I really didn't Keep mean to moving. do that. I really didn't. We're doing fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, but that's the that's the level of of physical, you know, um, affection I can see where, you know, it's it's subtle, but it's it's very much there. You just have to look for it. Yeah, that's that to me is is your Harry and Hermione in that one. So, but back to the writing in a series thing. Um, I I don't recommend it to the uninitiated because <laughs> it can be an extremely frustrating experience. But again, like I said, I do believe that fan fiction writers are um, uniquely suited to to writing in somebody else's canon if you get the opportunity to to do it professionally. I think you would um, excel because um, you're already doing it on a regular basis, and a lot of you do it very, very well Mm -hmm. with a great deal of originality and – Wit and it will be awesome. Just um, be careful with the, the the projects you pick. Be careful with the publishers you pick. Um, I think that's one <clears> where I definitely would want to make sure that I had the rules side by side with my my you know actual document. Going okay, I'm following the directions. 
someone asked read it two me or three times at um, Cobblestone Press, considering my um, level of secrecy about my real identity. Um, it's because I trust the person who runs Cobblestone Press. I have nothing and trust to say about Cobblestone Press. I think they're great. <laughs> So it's really important when you're when you're working with a publisher that you trust them, and um, so you just gotta trust. And if you don't trust, if if something hits you wrong, if if something makes you doubt, ask questions. And if they don't want to answer your questions, move on. If you ever encounter a publisher who does not want to answer your questions, who refuses to answer your questions about contracts, about distribution, about editing. Say no, but thank you, and move on. I didn't do that. Early on in my career, I took an e-publishing contract with a publisher. I asked a few questions. Um, They answered two of them, refused point blank to answer the last one. Um, And it was about their distribution. And um, they told me that, um, I said, well, if I signed a contract, would I be um, given a list of just distributors well I know where my book's going to be and she said no and I signed the contract anyway oh I was it was my I was very young it was one of the first books I'd ever done I didn't have an agent and um everything worked fine and I I wasn't cheated but I didn't like not knowing where my books were going to be yeah. I mean, yes, they were they were on the various outlets that I did know, but where else were they? Right. I don't know. I got very so, lucky. And I don't with... think distribution is a fucking trade secret, just to be perfectly frank. And if a publisher won't tell you where they're going to distribute your book, you tell them to kiss your ass and mine too. Yes, <laughs> that's... I got really lucky. I actually, when I when I went looking... Because I did. I mean, I'm I'm curious, and I'll I'll Google is my friend. I typed in my pen name, and it, stuff came up, and it was like validation. It was great. And then I hit the, <laughs> the link, and I looked at it, and it's like pet the shiny and go on to the next link, and it was great stuff. Because hey, the first it was that first book that I I, I had published. It was such a cool thing, and it's like. Okay, we're cool, and you know it's it's still a it's still something I'll Google every once in a while and take a look at, just because it's still a cool thing to see. Okay, not because I don't trust my publisher, far from it actually, but it's more of a hey, that's pretty nifty. I'm I'm here. You also need to Google yeah. yourself when you're professionally published and your titles because um, because of piracy. I haven't done that. I haven't gotten that one yet. I don't think. And, and honestly, it's never, it's never shown since public since since pirates run their sites in countries where the U.S. has has no jurisdiction. You can't do a damn thing about it. it it's mm-hmm. really frustrating, and I like to know where they are, just so I can cuss them out. <laughs> don't do that while we're on the area. It'll make you mad. <laughs> You'll just get mad. Ah, too late. <laughs> uh. Actually, the first page is really cool. <laughs> huh. Some of these apparently, hey, I've got four and a half stars over on Cosmos. That's great. 
Awesome. I really shouldn't do this. No. No. Like, what do you mean you gave me three stars, you fucking asshole? <laughs> um, actually, not that I'm, one place I'm, I don't even... I'm just saying. Saying yeah, I, know. I seem shit. to be hanging around four. That's that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> I can deal. What in the hell over? Oh, of course, my God. The name that I have is, of course one that actually real people have too. So that's a good time. <laughs> I, have, weird stuff. I have a okay. friend. Her pen name, she shares her pen name with a drag performer. <laughs> Funny as oh, hell. Fabulous. Oh, that's great. Okay. They fought over who got the domain. Um, wow. The, the drag queen one. Huh. It's pretty funny. (laughs) The drag queen won because the drag queen changed their legal name to it. So they have more right to the domain than the author. Wow. Isn't that funny as hell? That's somebody who definitely wants that domain. Um... Yeah, well, they won. <laughs> but, uh, okay. I, you know, when it comes to publishing, you just have to be careful. And you also have to detach from your work. Because at a certain point, your work stops becoming your ba- your word baby and becomes somebody else's product. Um, it's actually one of the harder things. I'm I'm not going to lie. It is. It, it is hard. It got very, yeah. Okay, Barbara wins the name game. Wow. The lovely. That's pretty. <laughs> the lovely. Yes, but, yeah, it, is, I mean, it is very. You do have to detach from your work um, because it might be your baby, your, your little word baby. And, um, but it's, if you're going to p- publish it professionally, it's going to be somebody else's product and they have a certain standard by which you will have to meet in order to be published with them. I had an email last week where somebody asked me if I was interested in self-publishing and the answer is no, I'm not. For several reasons, among them, I have to do my own cover art, and I'm not very good at that, and I don't want to keep track of all that shit, and you have to have different distribution accounts, and who wants to keep up with that bullshit when I can give the publisher a percentage, and they'll do it all for me. And then I'll get my check. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying. It's really cool. Um... (laughs) The shortest time from hitting the end to submission for me was about four hours. <laughs> so there was no real detaching on that. She didn't get to detach with love or anything else. 
No, no. And what's really crazy is, is um, that particular story I wrote because I had almost a solid month of training that I had to do. And it was on a job I was already doing on a thing I already knew for, and the, the training was designed for basically for a group of people that I wasn't going to be one of them because I was doing a very related job. I had to be in this class and pass it. And it was either I start writing or I learn to sleep with my eyes open. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I spent most of 30 days writing because there was no way on God's green earth that I was going to be able to handle dealing with this training for 30 days without having an outlet. So (laughs) she wrote gay porn. I wrote very gay porn. And one of my coworkers (laughs) basically hooked her, her chin over my shoulder at one point when I was in the middle of in the middle and she looked at it and she goes, you're telling me when this is finished, right? And it's like, yeah, sure. Not a problem. I let her know when it was being published. She apparently, I believe bought it. So I was very happy with that. <laughs> oh man. Jeez. Yeah, it was, it was, um, and the really crazy thing is, the teacher never seemed to catch on, and neither did any of the supervisors who were in the same class as me. So I was happy about that. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> Julie says, I knew someone whose drag name oh. was Rita Fondue. Shut up. <laughs> were they orange? Come on now. <laughs> And for the record, no, I never did eat those Cheetos. I took them to my sister's house and gave her to the bondless pits that she birthed. (laughs) Also called children. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I as much as I like the Framing Hots, I haven't eaten them since somewhere around the election election cycle starting, I think. Wow. The Padawan is seventeen. I know. Really? Yeah. Holy moly! My Padawan. I remember when the kid went into. I remember when you told me the kid went into puberty. Yeah. He was not a happy child. And complete asshole. But he gets that honestly. I'm over here on my private wish list on Amazon. And my, I had a purse on this wish list. And what you don't, mm-hmm. what you might not know is I share my Amazon account with my mama. Because um, she likes to pretend she doesn't know how to order Amazon. But she does because my purse is gone from my wish list. And I thought, where is my purse? And so I go over to orders. That woman has bought my purse. <laughs> is it, it going to be given to you or is she diseased? No. 
I assure you it is not going to be given to me because she didn't buy it in the color I had picked out. She bought it in pink, and I don't carry pink. It was a blush? It was bashful. (laughs) (laughs) My colors are blush and bashful. Blush and bashful. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> pink and pink. Blood <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yes. and bashful. Uh, yes. Mm. Of which there's maybe a shade difference. Okay, let's find another thing to talk about. Um, I don't know. I mean, nobody's... I can't quite imagine um, asking to play in one of your universes just because I find them to be really nicely self-contained and... The only one that you that that seems to be open in a way which is ties that bind. I'm not. I don't want to say. I'm, well, I know I'm not. I'm not comfortable with the idea of writing in because I don't have. I don't know enough about you know the the plenty of people write BDSM and don't know jack shit about it. Just saying. Yes, but I'm at least. I'm at least not willing enough to to do that because making the the mistakes that I could potentially make, mm -mm, no, it just doesn't do anything for me. (laughs) Let's see. Yeah. You could write Atlantean Legacy. (laughs) And what would you want me to write? You can write that book too. I never wrote. That's <laughs> what <laughs> I thought you were gonna say. Oh, hey, we had a whole well, plot. You helped me plot it. We did. I'm just saying. I did. Well, you still got the plot somewhere in that that. I do. I found the notes. Thing the other you day. call a hard drive. Yeah, Don't I just found it the other day. I don't day, have actually. it anymore. I was like, look, look at all those notes I have on that. Oops. Well, the one we kept coming back to, if I remember right, was book five, so, you know. Well, you can't write book five, but you can write book 1.5. Since I have a different book, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'll send you the notes. You guys heard that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm writing a much more aggressive Denozo as a lion guide. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, it uh, is how Rodney um, meets Dex and Deos. It's also the birth of um, Ares, which is a ship. Oh, that one's going to be interesting. I didn't realize I got to do that. 
Hot damn. Well, yeah, because that's all there because we have to build. See, the thing is, is I was looking for that because I realized I had made a slight error in judgment because there's some foreshadowing that needed to take place in book two for book five that can no longer happen. So I was like, well, damn it, now I'm going to have to write book 1.5. But Lady Holder can write book 1.5, and it would be great. <laughs> yeah, you just have to tell me, you know, all the stuff I have to have in it. Oh, and Mika's baby, and yes, I, damn it, I have shit I have to do. <laughs> there's Miko's baby, there's landing on the planet, um... Daniel and Vala got married. John and Rodney got married. I'm just saying, there's lots of things yeah. that happen between book one and book two that you could explore. This is true. But don't I you ask us sure about I... it or anything. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I'm not going to do the, the two landings that I've seen uh, on there because, I'm sorry, Atlantis is not a rock to go skipping across an ocean. All right. And I really can't see her plowing in either and doing the bubble routine. It's just, mm -mm. we'll have to see. (laughs) Thanks, Jeep. No pressure. No pressure, though. No pressure. The birth of Aries is actually super important, and you know why. Um, And that's not me being a thick tease. I just don't want to tell you in advance because I want it to be a surprise. I'm not trying to fictease you. I just um, sometimes you have a reveal that's so awesome. I know, but it's Uh about it's about book five and what Mm -hmm. they find in book five and have with them. Oh golly, yeah. Remember, so Aries has to be born in front of the reader so that they make yeah. The connection. We need to stop, yeah. We need to stop well, talking about it, or we'd be plotting book five right here on the air. Because we used to do that. We would be plotting, and then suddenly we'd be in book five. Repeatedly. Well, you know, over we, and over and over and over again. Now, wait a second. I just reread the part of book three that you let me have ages and ages and ages ago. Yeah. And I realized that well, that, no that has works. to change a lot, too. No, yeah, it I mean, it's just like I might as well just throw it out in the street. There's a lot of, I mean, I, the reason I was looking at it is because I, I found it after you'd actually given me a copy of it in error because I was supposed to get the revised book too. And right. I was reading it and going, This is not right. I actually did an right. edit on it. <laughs> no, this is not right. I was going, Where the hell is Daniel? And lo and behold, that Matt? was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was another one. Um, the problem that yeah. I have with my original book two, th- book three, is that um, there are characters missing. Um, Daniel's on Earth and he's not supposed to be because originally when I wrote the first book, I left Daniel on Earth. But when I finished my third or fourth draft, Daniel and Vala came to Atlantis. Um, so I had to take Daniel, Daniel had out of book two and insert Jonas mm-hmm. Quinn. Um, and so I have to do it again in book three, but there's lots of things in book three that I have to change. Like I have to address the issue of Matt. I have to, um, oh, yeah. I, Daniel and Vala should be back on the fucking planet by then. Um, so they, they have mm-hmm. to make an appearance. I have to, you know, there's just lots of things that are going on in book three that no longer make sense. Yeah. There's, there was uh, a number of things that I saw that were, 
I did a lot of head tilting as I was reading through that. It's just completely off me. It's just, I might as well just start over. I mean, I could probably salvage like four or five scenes from the original, and the rest I'm mm-hmm. going to have to toss. Oh, I, know, I know some of the scenes, well, some of the scenes I can pretty much guess as, as to what you're going to be, what you're going to be saving. And it's, it's uh, specific character conversations, I think. Um, but after that, everything kind of wanders around. What in the world? The link didn't completely. Oh, it didn't, it didn't go through. Get pasted. Yeah, we didn't get a full paste. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was too much link. Um, I do have four um, external hard drives. Um, I also back up to a USB key that I keep in a fire safe. No, I'm not paranoid. Why do you ask? <laughs> oh, I losing I work is a nightmare. On... Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy that I have um I have lost work, yes. Most of mine in, in a couple places. I also back up to Google, um and I have a OneDrive. Mm-hmm. Um and um but yeah, I lost um I lost a little over half a million words. Yeesh. Seriously. The only that's thing worse than losing horrifying. a novel is being forced to rewrite that novel in about ninety days. Anyways, so yeah. But I lost about 500K. Yeah, so. And a week. Because after I lost the 500K, I crawled into my bed and didn't come out for a week. (laughs) I was so depressed. Oh my God. I thought, oh God, my world is ending. Oh my God. I just had a complete come apart, as my grandma would say. I had a full fit of vapors and it lasted a week. <laughs> well, yeah, that's. I think it's. I think it was um, warranted. Definitely do. It felt warranted to me. Oh yeah, I'm saying. I don't remember what four was. We haven't actually plotted book four. That's the funny part. We plotted book <laughs> one, two, and three, and five, but we didn't plot four. I'm like, but we plotted we plotted the pure fuck out of five like six or seven different times. That's what happens when you have another writer on the phone. Uh. Huh. Oh shit. Okay. Um, I have to make a note to actually plot that with you. <laughs> oh. Note. Yeah. Just, yeah. Hey, how else are we? We don't have a book four. I have an idea for we book don't. four, but I don't have a full fledged plot for book four. I know what has to happen in book four for book five to work. Um, uh huh. So yeah. Hmm. 
because book five is Sebastian's book, so I have to do a lot of work. Yeah. Um, to set up Sebastian, um, in the background. In books three, four, three and four, um, because while Sebastian will be a secret from John and everybody else at the SGC, he won't be a secret from the reader. Oh, that's going to be harsh. I need something like that. I do. Okay. I feel like I would be. Mm-hmm. I feel safer if I had something like that. Okay. I think that's about appropriate. <laughs> that link that that Bob just put up. Yeah, I'd feel better <laughs> if I had that. But I do back up to Google, um, and so I, I back up to two different Google accounts to be perfectly honest, uh, because I just I'm paranoid as fuck. And occasionally drops it in the common drive that we have. Yeah, that too. Paranoid oh, as works. fuck. Um, but yeah, so. Um, but you see, it's interesting when you talk about planning um, a series like Lantian Legacy and how much background work goes into it. And you think about writing as a group um, and having um, many, many writers in the same pot. Uh, because too many cooks can definitely spoil the soup, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. And it can also, if um, your series are, has to be even-handed. Militant? No, not necessarily militant, um, but even-handed, because you say, say you have four or five authors in the same series, and the person in charge of the canon or the world building um, changes something to make one writer happy mm-hmm. while upsetting all the rest of them and not giving a shit. Well, you, well, you can't do that. But I've seen that happen, and it's no. really, it's just ugly. It can get really ugly, and there's, you know, and especially when it comes to, like, timeline issues, because, you know, if you let one author do something, and it fucks up four other authors' works, then you're an asshole. And so was the writer who did it. Yeah. And it can cause a lot of problems and issues. So you need to have someone in charge of the world building and of the canon who is very fair um, and very strict. And once the rules are established, they don't let anybody, not even themselves, step away from them. Because it can be... Ugh. Round Robins... I hate round robins. That's why there's not one on um, Rough Trade. I mean, if you guys really want one, I'll put one up, but I think they're bullshit. I think they're bullshit. Round robins are the devil. Because you don't know what this person's going to do, and you have this great idea, and they fuck it up, and next thing you know, your hero's under a pile of rocks, and someone's killed your comic relief. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so fucking much. Oh. And then someone comes along and fucks your shit up. And it's just really, really frustrating. It it can just make you want to stab people. Round Robins, I have seen Round Robins ruin friendships. Round Robins are the monopoly game of the writing world. Don't do it. Or at least don't play that game with somebody you like. 
many, many years ago, uh, when I, before I actually started writing um, in fandom for fun, um, one of the places I was on started a round robin just because it was, hey, we're all on this, this um, you know, uh, bulletin board, and hey, why not? It's fun. It got really twisted really fast because there were about 20 of us. And that's 20 different people with 20 different ideas, all going in 20 different directions. It ended up being about four different threads, and they all made no damn sense. See? Just the devil. Just the devil. That fucking tea lady. (laughs) Did I ever write in fandom for unfun? No, actually. Um... Even at at the beginning, although I will admit that I got uh, double dog dared into getting my own damn live journal so that way I could leave this person's alone. (laughs) She's not saying she was a troll. But she never got denied either. (laughs) Not so much, no. Um, I will tell you something, sweetheart. When you... (laughs) mess with another writer so much they tell you to go get your own shit you might have trolled them a little bit by accident <laughs> I'm pretty I'm damn saying. sure I did you were all over oh, I'm, I'm not gonna, yeah, pretty much <laughs> and what's really crazy is, is um, I'm the godmother to her son so you know go get oh, your well. own junk she got tired of you and her junk so she told you to go get your own That's, she but, did yeah, it's cute. But she forgave you. Yep. So, but you know, um, riding with someone can um, can really mess you up. So you have to be careful how you do that. And um, I don't recommend riding with your friends. I know a lot of you guys do it. Um, you're all up up in each other's space, and you're you're. It's just it's not a good idea. I know a pair of sisters who write. They used to share a pen name. Now they can't even be in the same room together. Oh, man. That's harsh. That's harsh. (laughs) You were bamboozled. You know, <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, it can be, I mean, it can damage relationships and friendships, um, and especially when money gets involved. So just, just don't, just don't do it. Just, um, I'm not recommending you write with somebody you hate either. I, um, <laughs> I'm just saying it's not a good idea because it just, it's just going to end up causing all kinds of problems. <laughs> One way or another. Yeah. It- Well, not everybody has the same writing style. Lady Holder and I do not have the True. same writing style. Um, we don't True. have the same process. Um, I think actually Azure and um, Lady Holder have a more similar process than me and Lady Holder, in that they're both pantsers. Although I have I have noticed that Azure has been doing a little plotting. I don't yeah, know what she's. I don't know what she's doing over there. I'm not sure if she's plotting world domination or if she's actually plotting a book. I don't know. 
I think it's a little of both. You know, she's equal opportunity that way. Yeah, Bob yeah. Min was a husband and wife um, pair who wrote together. Um, but didn't one of them pass? Yeah, Bob, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I could not write yeah. with my husband. I... I had to ask him about some science stuff when I was plotting synthetic. And every time I would tell him circumstances that I had, he'd be like, why do you need to do that? Because I fucking said so. Just tell me how to make it work. Don't tell me why. I don't need author hammers of destiny. <laughs> because that's what I want. That's what I need. And then I'm, I'm explaining this to him. I'm explaining this shit to him. And he was like, so why aren't they going to Mars? Fuck you, they can't go to Mars. It's not safe. <laughs> yeah, I think Arthur Hamway was destined with the best thing we ever came up with. Anywho. <laughs> you know, I I can't I cannot see your spouse writing I can't see him writing porn. On the other hand, from, I'll be honest, from what I've heard of his voice, listening to him read it would probably be really cool. <laughs> I am never telling him you said that. That would probably be a good idea. <laughs> I just I've never had a good experience writing with another writer. Um uh, I, I, I tried. I just I you did try. It's not your fault. I'm selfish. It's Lady Holder it's not her fault. I'm just I am really territorial and it's really difficult for me to um just no. No, I just it's me. I'm a plotter, I'm a planner, I have things a certain way, I have a lot of OCD, and I just couldn't do it. I thought I could, and we and we, and we we got actually pretty far, further than I thought we would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I've got the last bit plotted out. I just want you to at least agree on, tell me, if it's okay, mm-hmm. because your, your name's still going on the bloody thing when it gets finished. I just have to make sure <laughs> that you're good with, with what we did. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I just, you know... Yeah. The man could not read my audio book. Because he would be stopping to ask me now, how is this shifting thing actually working? Fuck you. It just is. Just read it. Fuck you. Stop. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this isn't particularly practical, and I'm not sure the social position. Shut up. Oh, my God. Shut up. He's so logical and so rational. Um, We are polar opposites. Yeah. That would would not go over well, I think. And... I would would stab him. Mine has looked over my shoulder 
yeah. <laughs> Mine has looked over my shoulder and seen the words on my word processing program and walked off with his, uh, with his hands over his eyes screaming la, la, la. And it's like, you're such a fucking wuss. He wasn't you know, real that, happy that, that, that's that. after him. Shut up, pussy. <laughs> I should one of these days. Yeah. I sorted into Slytherin. Me too. Multiple times on different quizzes. It was and in... then on the um on the split house, like if I had two houses or that mutated house, I was a Slytherclaw. Mm-hmm. I, I was a Slytherclaw, mm-hmm. yeah. The craziest thing there should be a Harry Potter restaurant where when they ask you um, how you want to be seated, you have to give your sorting house. That would divide a lot of couples. (laughs) Well, my husband's never been sorted, so he had to sit with me. Well, the the thing is, is my parents have been. I think my dad's a I think my dad's a griff, and my mom is, heaven help us all, a Hufflepuff. <laughs> but I'm not yep. kidding about round robins. They really are the monopoly game of of the writing world. Um, and you never want to do it with people. Um, don't ever do it with something that you really like. Don't, don't ever put words into a Robert Robin that you really enjoy because someone's going to fuck it up for you and ruin it and make you mad. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, some assholes written antler guy into it. I'm just kidding. Asher. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I fucking love that story. I, I went read it again the other day. The hellish friendship bracelet. Is that fucking great? <laughs> Whoa. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. Uh huh. That's just no. Nope. I won't repeat that for the podcast, but I would be cutting somebody. I'm just like I'd be cutting somebody oh. straight out. Okay. Anyways, um, <clears throat> uh huh. Next comment. I love baby Jesus pom pom. It is like my favorite, favorite kid fic, Baby Jesus Pom Pom. If you've not read Baby Jesus Pom Pom, you are missing out. I I can't even. I can't. If I need to laugh, I go read Baby Jesus Pom Pom. Because if you can get through that without laughing, then you're ridiculous. I think that's about the only one out of that series I actually read. Mainly because it, the rest of it didn't. Um, I I love a, a farm in Iowa. I fucking love that whole series. But there is just something amazing about Baby Jesus Pom Pom. I can't even. It's just it's just amazing. 
Ja. Yeah, no, I'm... Uh, who wrote A Farm in Iowa? I'm a terrible person. I have totally forgotten. It I is gone from my head. to begin with. Oh, Chief's helping us out. Chief's got a link. You gotta read it, Farm in Iowa. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Let's see. It would be... Um... I can't say their name. Shay Frostodon? That's like a dinosaur. Yeah. She <laughs> uh, Frostodon? Okay. Shay Frostodon. Uh, it sounds like a velociraptor's name. It sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> Speaking of, someone asked in my on my comment site on my site about one of the shorts that I had done for the big short. They asked me what the likelihood of me expanding the story was and my response and I don't remember doing this response but it cracked me up when I saw it and I responded that it, there was a better chance I would spontaneously evolve into a velociraptor I don't remember I don't remember writing that That was it was like well I'm a single asshole I must have been really sleepy when I answered that person's question I don't think you were having a good day that day you said day. Julie said weeks. <laughs> I'm trying to be generous. <laughs> a dinosaur drinking a cappuccino. <laughs> Whatever works. I love that story, though. So if you're listening, I don't mean to make fun of your name. I just don't know how to say it. But I fucking love your work. Sheriff for for Shay. I promise Shay you, I have Frother. not been drinking. I promise you, I've not been drinking. I promise. Frother. As Frother. They're, 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 yeah, Shay Frother Don. Shay. What is wrong Frother. with me? Shay Frother Don. Shay, we're gonna call you Shay, sweetheart. I hope you're okay with that. Oh man. She a four other dom? I, are you really? No. I love Nantucket. Well, we'll go. I here. love the Nantucket AU. For for me, loving stories that are basically nothing to do with um, <laughs> the Stargate. I've never actually written one. I also love Fair Trade. Now wait a second. The closest you've come to actually completely skipping Stargate and not have anything to do with the Stargate is, I think you've got an EAD of it. It's the one where it is the, the FBI one. DAU. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I never finished it. I know. Shay, she a She a for other dom. 
only more faster than that. I'm going to go with Shay. Forgive me. I'll take it. <laughs> I love I'm your work, really happy. I picked it. I'm really happy I picked a handle that I can I could actually say. Yeah, I think that is a pro tip, um, especially like um, professionally speaking. You do not want to have a name that is difficult to spell, difficult to say, or difficult to remember. You need a name that has a great deal of curb appeal. I also got told make sure I didn't, I mean, if you're down in the queues, it's a little difficult because most of the time queues fairly down on the, the the list. You know, if you're looking at an actual print book, um, there's very few queues I remember actually reading. And they're usually actually you know, on the bottom shelf if you're in a if mm-hmm. you're in a bookstore. Um, middle shelves are S's, L's, M's. Mm-hmm. Top shelves are A's, B's, C's. Let's see. Julia, I don't know why people think you're a dude, but I was actually accused of being a dude when I was writing, um, when I first started writing Ties That Bind, I had several people in the fandom assume that I was male because of, um, in fact, one dude told me that I wrote, um, that the anal sex I wrote was um, too good for me to be a woman. I said, what, because a woman can't take it in the ass? And he never responded. Huh. <clears throat> yeah, that FBI one, I, I really, um, what had happened was, <laughs> I had a whole bunch of different ideas for Sentinels, and, um, and what to do with them, and, um, and, and how to use them in different stories, and, and AUs and stuff, and so I had written several, I started several different things, I started The Gathering, I started, um, the FBI one, I started one Mm -hmm. where, um, it was, uh, Blair and Jim, and Blair was in South America, and, they were searching the whole world for a for a guide for Jim because he was mm-hmm. dying, and um, Jesus about meeting of the minds. Um, the meeting of a meeting of the minds. The the Stargate is there. Um, that was originally yeah. the first chapter in a much longer book that I plotted, where John and Rodney are together. And they've been together for about a year when it happens. Um, but Rodney gets recruited for the Stargate program, and he refuses to go. He refuses Carter's offer because of John. And so in order to get McKay, they had to hire John, too. That just didn't happen yet in the, in the show. And I posted it as a finished short story because I lost interest in the plot that I had created. But they are in the Stargate world. They just haven't got there yet. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that. Not gonna lie, I did. I really enjoy that story too. I just the the full arc, my interest in it just kind of went away. But back to the Sentinel thing. Um, and so I had that one where Jim and Blair were separated, and they all thought, and the the center thought 
that um, Blair was dead and then come to find out he isn't dead. Um, and they bring him back and he is Jim's guide. Um, and then I did an, a SGA version of that where it's John who's they're searching the whole world for a guide and Rodney is in Pegasus and they bring Rodney home for John. Um, so I had all these different Sentinel ideas and I ended up going with Sentinels um, of Atlantis because um, I had I started the gathering, I had started the FBI one, I had started the one with Blair, and I had switched it to Rodney, and all of it was Lady Holder's fault. All <laughs> 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 oh, it was her fault. And then, so I ended up finishing the gathering, and I got really invested in the storyboard for Sentinels of Atlantis, and the rest of my Sentinel ideas just kind of got set aside. Uh. Well, I keep I keep looking at them and thinking, hey, they're really really cool ideas. <laughs> but again, that was all I did hold fault. Blame. Credit. Okay. I'm giving you all the credit. Sure. Yep, yep. I'll take it. And the blame. And the blame. I'll fight that one. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, so Mhm. I'm going to do um I had told the others, um, the bitches, uh, when we were talking about building the July challenge that I had found a treatment I had written for a Spartan Halo SGA uh and I had lost it and then I found it and I was super excited and um, I'm going to do that for my um, July challenge. I'm going to do um, – it's one where Rodney built Atlantis as a uh, combat um, station for the war. And it's John's ship, and um, the war is over, and John has been given a mission to explore Pegasus um, on Atlantis. He's going to take Atlantis to Pegasus, and um, Rodney uh, demands to go. Because it's his ship, and as far as he's concerned, John's his Spartan, because <laughs> he picked John for Atlantis. Um, and so um, they agree, and um, and so that's my uh, my July thing. And I had this whole thing for it, and I was really excited to find it. I kind of fell in love with the idea all over again. And I don't know why I set it aside in favor of the Pale Horse arc, which I'm not fond of anymore. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is. Um, wishy-washy. I don't know. Either anyway, it's, I'm riding. Horses um, is a lot of work. I know. I know. I'm not throwing it away or anything. I'm just. It's just not there for no, me no, anymore. No, no, no. It'll come back. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that you know throw it away or, or anything. What I'm saying is there's there's a lot of of work that pale horse is gonna gonna be. Um. The one that you, you showed us for July, that one is a lot more of the framework is there. You're not branching so hard out. Right. I think that's what it feels like. Yeah, because yeah. um it's it's just a it's just a whole it's just a different take on it. And it's just a, it's a little bit different. Um it's still a future fic, it's still set very far in the future since of course humanity had the resources to build Atlantis. Um and um, 
so it's just it's it's really interesting and different and um i've um for those of you who are familiar with the halo canon i have um mixed and kind of meshed forerunner and the ancients whereas the forerunners are the ones that came after the ancients so basically what it is is the forerunners Okay, the ancients come from Altera. They come to Earth. They eventually go to Pegasus. They get their asses kicked in Pegasus by the Wraith, and they come back to Earth. Um, most of them ascend, and those who don't ascend and don't stay and breed with the population leave Earth, and they're the forerunners. 800 years later, my story is going to start. Like 800 years past SGA canon, my story will start roughly in that area and it's way into the future so that there's lots of technology for um to mesh with the halo verse um that i would have a hard time meshing with um if i kept them in this current time period so it'll be interesting and um so the forerunners built yeah. the halo worlds uh so it's more ancients being assholes basically because the halo worlds were designed to destroy the whole galaxy and what my idea was is that the forerunners who are the descendants of the ancients came away with so much um, kind of because they ran from the race when they encounter the flood in uh, the Milky Way. And the flood is a virulent uh, virus species that basically kind of works like a zombie plague and people get infected and they turn into monsters. Um, and when the forerunners encountered the flood, it was like the last straw. So after the wraith and after the ori, the ori, the wraith, and then by the time they encountered the flood, they're like, fuck all this. And so they build all these worldly, these, these halo worlds that look a great deal like Stargates, as a matter of fact. Excellent meshing there. And they're designed to be turned on together to destroy the whole fucking galaxy. It is basically a gun pointed at the head of the galaxy. Um, and so in, in Halo, in the games, it's your job to destroy the Halo worlds. I, that's, that's what you do. I totally get you that. You destroy the first world, and, and then you and then he's back on Earth for a while, and then he goes to another Halo world, and then he finds the place where the Halo worlds are being built, and he destroys that, and it's great, and it's fun. Um, so... What's happened is in my, in my story canon, um, the halos have been destroyed, and uh, they've just won a war against the Ori, and John is um, being reassigned to Pegasus, and he gets to meet Rodney, and John's a Spartan, so and Rodney is yeah, I'm um, very happy with that. a scientist. And so I'm really looking forward to writing it. I'm, I'm really excited. I did some storyboarding today. Um, for those of you who are participating in um, in the battle in July, I highly recommend, even if you don't plot, to at least outline one event for each episode. That will really keep you on task, and um, it'll be really super helpful. I promise. Yeah, I haven't come up with an idea yet. Not a Bloody clue. What phantom do you want so, to run in? Jilly has two. <laughs> I got nothing. So do you, do you want to do NCIS or do you want to do Stargate? I don't know. That's the problem. 
I know what Jilly's got going, and hers um, looks interesting. But you know, I we've all got our favorite characters that we like to right. use, and frankly, the other fandoms um, not really my thing for some of them. Yeah. 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 And so I know I don't have the um, knowledge base to be able to do some of them. So. I did want to clarify that NCIS means um, the entire NCIS universe. It's LA, New Orleans, and the original. And Stargate will include um, Stargate SG1, Atlantis, and Universe. <laughs> yes, that thing. Yeah, I'm not going to... Well, I want to hear one about the one that... Hawaii 5 and so you be over in the bitches chat when we get off this podcast, because I want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't an order. That, one was that... More requ- that was a request, please. That that was a pretty please 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 please. Um, I'm honestly I'm looking at it and I'm thinking I could probably do a decent Teen Wolf, even though I I sincerely hate the show. Um, I think you've never done an episode arc, have you? I mean, like a like never at this micro. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think so. Um, I think you should pick a character you're you're very comfortable with. Well, that's either Tony or somebody in in Stargate. Because if you're gonna be well. doing something new, and this is advice for everybody, if you're doing something new, don't reinvent your whole damn wheelhouse, okay? Um, pick a character you're comfortable with, pick a show you're comfortable with, because if you're exploring a new process, the last thing you need to do while you're doing that is to explore a um, a new sh- a, a, pick areas to be comfortable while you're exploring something more difficult in your process, is what I'm getting at. Okay. Hmm. There's no need to, you know, drive yourself insane. Oh, the hell with it. I might as well have fun with it. I think I know what I'm going to do. Yay! What are you going to do? It's going to... Well, it's probably going to end up being a crossover between um, uh, NCIS and Stargate. And I just had my couple pop up just because of Jilly. And it's going to be, I believe, a Tony. <laughs> yes, it's going to be a Tony Daniel. Yay! <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Now I have to figure out what the hell they're going to be doing. Okay. Pen and ink. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think that will happen. But I, I don't think that that can, well, that can be that, you know, if you want to do like a Red Shoe Diaries thing, you you can't. Okay, excuse me. I'm not going to use actual TV, you know, um, mores on this. There will be sex. There's, you know, even if it is la- traumatizing Jack. Yes, that's just fun. You know. And uh, okay, that works. The traumatizing Jack is just, you know, that that's just a bonus. 
you know. I think I can do that. It'll be a lot of fun. So, Jilly is going to do yeah. NCIS Hawaii Five-0. Lady Holder is going to do mm-hmm. NCIS Stargate. SG-1. I'm going to do Stargate slash Halo. But remember when you're doing your, for instance, for everybody, remember when you're doing your titles, you only get one fucking fandom in your little parentheses. That's serious. That's NCIS. It's Maybe. the parent fandom, yes. <laughs> well, then it's going to be Stargate. As creepy as that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have never seen an episode of Torchwood either. However, the, the stuff I saw around it where the showrunner was basically jerking everybody's chain and playing the will they, won't they, are they, aren't they, um, really pissed me off. I so. think by TW, she actually meant Teen Wolf. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You said Torchwood. Oh, Torchwood. I'm sorry. Torchwood, they actually <laughs> did um, have sex. What am I, I saying? Like, are you kidding me? Because like, you Jack just fucked was... a whole section where Jack fucked everybody that was still for it. <laughs> we just got all our shit fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Jack had a good run. Let's see. I haven't even Torchwood considered episode first. names. It'll be funny. I don't even know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to be nice and not do what I just had thought on. But I am going to title one of my episodes and the horse you rode in on. <laughs> that works for me. Mine actually, no I was contemplating, mine I was actually contemplating more um, sexual positions, but that would probably go over badly. naming them that way. But hey, we got five well, minutes left. One thing I will say is um, that this will come up later. Um, when you're actually titling your post for Rough Trade, you'll be doing your title episode one. Because you can't do your title episode one and then the title of your fucking episode. There won't be enough room. It'll be ridiculous. It'll make the database look really fucked up and it'll piss me off. So you're constricted to just title episode one author name on the actual post title. You can put whatever, whatever the hell you Good want idea. to in the post. I'm just saying. Oh, of course. That works for me. I can deal with that. Hello. You know how your little dog likes to just, you know, be there and... and um, yes, you lick. do have to name your series. I don't know why I'm going to call oh, mine. Yes. Damn it. Now I need to think up a series name. For fuck's <laughs> sake. Yeah, I got the same damn thing. We're going to figure it out. Oh, no, I'm not going to name it for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm tempted to, but for fuck's sake. <laughs> FFS by Kira, episode one. <laughs> If it shows up, we know what happened. Oh, that would definitely be cool. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we're down to um, just about three minutes, and um, mm-hmm. I don't really know. I've <laughs> for crying out loud. 
<laughs> Actually, I think I may want to grab that. Yes. Okay. Yep. That one sounds good. I'm writing that down. You. You should totally call one episode Jack's terrible, no good, bad day. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Actually, that can be episode one. <laughs> okay. <sighs> anyway, actually, I I love this. Okay, because you know there, it's it's pretty much canon that. And I'm going to pick and choose what I use from canon, so don't don't yell at me about that. But it's pretty much canon that Tony's got at least better eyesight and a, and a sense of smell than average. And it really does happen in, in reality. So having him have a slightly better sense, uh, hearing as well would work out great because then he knows when Jack's coming. And, you know, I like the laying a lip lock on him. You know, the, the, they're always kissing when, when Jack walks in. <laughs> Just go through the whole day. <sighs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yep, it's going to definitely be an interesting thing um, to see what I can put in this. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're down to 60 right. seconds. Um, I don't know what my next show will be about. I probably won't know until about 30 minutes before I do it. You guys have a great evening and a great week. Say good night, Lady Holder. Good night. Good night, Lady Holder.